This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Three minutes after 12 is the time. It's, uh, if you were here at quarter past nine this morning, this is sort of, I feel like it's nearly home time, but actually the final hour of the programme is upon us, and it is an hour in which I think history suggests you can be guaranteed something of a giggle, you can be guaranteed something of a of a lift, a, a rather more light-hearted conversation, no doubt, than some of the ones, um, rather more important ones that we've been having thus far on the programme. Mystery Hour is your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction that's not available anywhere else on your radio dial. There will be, bubbling away somewhere in the back of your brain, a question that demands, nay, deserves an answer. And there's probably someone listening to this programme right now who can provide it. So find out. Ring in with the question, the who, the why, the what, the where, the when, the whither, even the occasional wherefore. Not, 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 not to forget whence. And we'll find out whether anyone else knows the answer. So you ring and you say, James, why do we do this? What, what's that about? Where does that come from? What's the origin of this, that or the other? There's all sorts of questions. The only real rules are, don't be boring. Uh, of course, that's a little subjective. But as a general guide, if you ask yourself this question, you'll get an idea potentially of whether or not it's, 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 it's a boring question you're intending to ask. How many people will be interested in the answer to this is always quite a good one. Will, will most people or all the people listening be interested in the answer to this? Will a lot of people? Or is it just me? If it's just me, then unless it's a hilarious question, save yourself tuppence and don't ring in. Uh, repetition is more my responsibility. So if it's a question that's been dealt with before, you can check the Mystery Hour archive over at lbc.co.uk. Rosie and Chris are on the phones today. They're neither of them long-serving Mystery Hour um, personnel, so I, 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 I guess it's going to fall to me and Axel to keep an eye out for questions that have been dealt with before. If they're really obvious, like about baby pigeons and white dog defecations, then obviously, if we've been doing this for years, we've dealt with those questions before. So use your noodle is my advice to you. Five minutes after 12 is the time. The number you need, you will only hear me say when I have phone lines free into the studio, which has been actually almost never in the course of today. My apologies for that if you've been trying and failing to get through. It's not going to get any better in the course of the next 53 minutes. I can tell you that for nothing. But as soon as there is a gap in the, a chink in the armour of my switchboard, I shall share the number with you. Uh, In the meantime, I think that's pretty much it. If you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, then ring in immediately with that answer. So as, as time progresses and we've got a few more questions on the board, you will be able to ring in with the, with the, with the answer that we've got. 03456060973 is the number that you need. I think that's it, isn't it? Three kick, kick on. Rena is in, I never know how to pronounce this, Glen Rothis. That's correct. In the kingdom of Fife, Rena. Yes, I am indeed. The kingdom of Fife. Question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on. Why is it when most women are pregnant in the, in the early days or sometime for months, they suffer from bad nausea or commonly known as morning sickness? Yes. Why doesn't it happen with an- female animals? How do you know it doesn't? Well, have you ever heard of a dog having morning sickness or a cat? Well, how would you know? Well, honestly, God, if it's your dog that you keep in the house and you found out she was pregnant, you would surely see at some point... It could be feeling rotten. How's it going to tell you? Don't start. 
haven't. Have you not heard the phrase sick as a parrot? Uh, um, yes, but that's only a scene. No, but that's a shortened version of the original, which was sick as a pregnant parrot. You'd start to take the mic like <laughs> I would never dream of doing that, Rena. I just yes, don't know... you would, but <laughs> you the wrong person. <laughs> I'm not messing with you, Rena. I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I can feel the withering gaze from here all the way from the Kingdom of Fife. But, but how do you... I mean, seriously, how can we be completely confident that no other animals do suffer from morning sickness? You mean because they don't physically vomit when they're pregnant? Well, I, I've never eaten uh, when my dog was pregnant... And I took it to the vet, and they didn't sort of say to me, well, you need to, need to watch out for Arena because she could have morning sickness. Which is no, good. I love it. So it's either an evolutionary explanation of why humans get it, or a kind of biological explanation of why no other species does, if that's true. I mean, what if we get a vet ringing in saying, no, loads of animals get morning sickness? That's also an answer oh. to your question. That'd be absolutely fine, because he'll have answered my question. Great stuff. Rena, you're on. I don't know the answer. No, but that's it. Exactly. We'll do, we'll do our level best to, to, to get you to get you the answer that you see. Why do you want to know? Just curiosity. Uh, just curiosity. It killed the cat. <laughs> you nicked my gag, you cheeky woman. It's eight minutes after 12. You're listening to Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Uh, is it only humans that get morning sickness? Female humans. <laughs> and if so, why? Rob is in Wolverhampton. Rob, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Right, so when I was in my teens, I used to do a lot of sprinting, running. Yeah. Um, and when we used to train at night, it always felt like you ran a lot faster at night time. What? So, yeah, it always felt like you ran a lot faster at night time. So I was just wondering why. Did you check with anyone else? Yeah, I spoke to loads of people. Everyone agrees. And where so, were you running? Just like training, so whether we'd be doing it like road running or even like, on a track, it always felt faster at night time. In the dark? I, yeah. I wonder if it's to do with you can see things that you're running past more in daylight. Well, Just... I did hear one theory about it, but I'm not sure Go if on. it's right. It, it was basically that when we was, like, obviously evolution, when we was monkeys or whatever, apes, um, <laughs> that they used to... <laughs> they used to... Um, like, if they had to change where they lived, their habitat, they used to do it at night time, and they used to move faster. That was a theory I heard. But I'm fat. Every time I laugh at a theory, I end up looking like a monkey myself, um, uh, and having to apologise for being so arrogant and condescending in the first place. However, I'm very tempted to be arrogant and condescending with regards to that explanation for well, a phenomenon. But we'll find out. It probably isn't. So we've got morning sickness and night running. That's where we are at the moment on Mystery. I like that. Is it true? I, I, both of them, actually, are predicated with the question of whether the observation is true or not, the central observation that, that only humans get morning sickness or that you do, in fact, feel that you're moving faster when running at night. If they're true, what, what is the explanation? If they're not true, prove it. 03456060973 is the number that you need. Ten minutes after 12 is the time. And David is in Liverpool. David, question or answer? Uh, question, uh, tattoos, if your skin sheds every seven years, why do the tattoos stay? It's on my head in for years, by the way. Because they're, um, yeah. the, the, the ink is below the skin. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, it, it's come, I think it's popped up before. It, 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 it's a good question, because it doesn't really make sense how come it stays forever. But the reason is, I forget what the posh word is, mate, something like epidermis mm. or something like that. But, okay. the, but the ink is so <laughs> far under the surface that the shedding, the normal cycle of shedding skin doesn't affect the, doesn't reach the ink. Well, now, now it won't do my head in. No. <laughs> That's it. I've solved it. There you go. Question. Oh, well, <laughs> good man. Round of applause for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> 11 minutes after 12. Mark's in Munich. Mark, question or answer? Uh, hello, James. Hello. Hey, question, please. Carry on. Uh, I've been puzzling about the fact that where it's too bright outside, our pupils get smaller. So how come we don't lose any of the uh, vision field? How can we just lose the intensity? Why would you lose vision field? As long as, as long as light is reaching, reaching the back of the eye, you're more likely to see better. You'd see less if your pupil didn't shrink because the light would kind of blind you. But it's a smaller hole that I'm looking through, so how come I'm seeing the same thing? I don't think... Is the pupil a hot... Is it like an aperture, like a camera? I, I don't know why I'm trying to answer this question, Mark, because it's hard, it's hard to think of a subject that I'm less qualified to address. <laughs> this, what is it? O oculology? sunglasses like that if it worked really good, so uh, and that doesn't work. So, so we, 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 we want an explanation of what happens when the pupil contracts in the presence of, of excessive light, don't we? And, and, yeah. and, and contained within that, we'll find out why it doesn't in any way restrict your vision. I like this. I, I, um, I had a problem with my eye. I still do, actually. I, I, I've got to go back to the hospital. It's a lot better than it was. But they put something in my eye that made the pupil dilate. And it didn't, affect, it didn't affect my vision at all. So I had one eye that was normal and one eye where the pupil was the size of a pound coin. And, and nothing, no, it, didn't, no, it didn't change what I could see at all. Well, we need an answer to that. We'll get it for you, Mark. 12 minutes after 12 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LB. Well, I'll stop saying that. You should know it by now. Richard's in Shepherd's Bush. Richard, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Carry on, Richard. Um, firstly, I think the word you were looking for was subcutaneous, under the skin. Subcutaneous. Yes, I think you're right. Round of applause for Richard. Go on. Well played. Uh, so it's, only, so it's only a sort of silver medal round of applause, that. Well, what's the question that you rang in with? Um, the question is, if there was a nuclear war, a nuclear holocaust, um, <laughs> is there a certain amount of feet underground that you need to go to survive it? Um, and no, that... know, I was wondering if the, if the tubes could be used as a, as a, as a bunker. Well, I, do, I, I don't know that that question makes sense. I, I don't, I, I'm always a little nervous when people are on hands-free, and my nervousness is exacerbated enormously when I hear horns tooting in the background. So I'll take the question and run with it. You, you get back to concentrating on the road. Uh, 12.13 is the time. I, I don't know that that makes sense, because you could be miles underground, but if the bomb went off directly above you, it's about the radiation reach, isn't it? And, and surely that's got very little to do with how far underground you are, but a lot more to do with how sealed wherever you are is, but I don't know. So what's the question going to be? If a nuclear bomb goes off, would being underground keep you keep you happy? Would being underground save you? Would being underground... How far underground would you have to be to be safe? It's how far away from the... I don't know. I'm just burbling. You understood the question better than I did. Give me a ring if you can answer it. Why does pupil dilation apparently not affect vision? So while your pupil shrinks or grows according to the light that it's exposed to, your ability to see is not compromised or enhanced in any way. Um, do you feel that you're running faster when you run at night? And if so, why? Do humans exclusively suffer from morning sickness? And if so, why? If you can answer any of those, the number that you need is 03456060973. The time is just coming up to 12.15. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 19 minutes after 12 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Um, some breaking news for you if, you if you care about such things. Douglas Carswell the uh, Member of Parliament for Clacton will not be standing at the next election. Uh, I don't know why, and I don't really care. 
people of Clacton treated with a modicum perhaps of contempt deserve better let's hope they get better uh, i presume the conservatives have told him that he, he can't just sort of crawl back into their fold and he's left ukip what's the name of the fellow with the diamond mine who claims that he's anti-elitist farage's mate oh, i can't remember but anyway he's thinking of running in clacton presumably under the ukip but what an absolute mess so that's another arsonist who's fled the political seen after um, contributing to the referendum results. Uh, back to mystery. Back to happier times and more cheerful thoughts. 12.19 is the time. Questions in need of answers. Why do you feel that you're moving faster when you run at night? Why does morning sickness only uh, affect humans? Why does pupil dilation and retraction not affect your vision? And where's the best place to be in the event of a nuclear war? Uh, how far underground or, or, or how high in the sky? I'm not sure which. Trevor is in Hornchurch. Trevor, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Trevor. It's, James, I, I hear quite a lot on the, on the television or the radio a, a phrase, happy as Larry. Yes. And I wonder who Larry is and why he was happy. I know this. I, I don't know whether we've done... I think we must have done it before, because I've got, I've got this one in the old memory banks. That's well, the fella's name I, with I, the I, diamond I, mine, I, Banks. They, uh, sorry, I digress. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, please. Right, there's two possible... It comes from Australia... Or, or, or New Zealand. It comes from the Antipodes. And it, there are two theories. There was a boxer called Larry who never lost a fight and made a bunch of money. So it's possible that it refers to him, happy as Larry, boxer who never lost a fight, made a bunch of money, in the back end of the 19th century, Trevor. Or it comes from the word larrikin, which is... I think it starts in Devon, actually, the word larrikin, or Cornwall, but it went over to Australia, and it's kind of like a word to describe a bit of a layabout. So someone that just sits around all day getting boozed up, which is quite a popular pastime in Australia. So it might have begun as happy as a larrikin, happy as Larry, someone who sits around all day getting boozed up, or it might be happy as Larry someone who was a boxer that never lost a fight and made a bunch of money. Boom, that's it. Oh, I love the boxer one. I think, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take Foley. That. I've got the name Foley in my head. I don't know why. I, I, you might need to look that one up. But I think it might have been Larry Foley or Bowles. Or it's got an O sound in the middle of it. But Larry right. was the boxer. OK, that's cool. Thanks, James. Good man. Round of applause for me. Mark is in Warrington. Mark, question or answer? Answer. Come on, then. Um, it's for the chap running at night. Um, basically, I... No, it's the same thing, because I go mountain biking, so when winter comes, we crack out the lights, and for the first few months, you feel like you're flying. Seriously? It's a, it's, yeah. a thing, it's a thing, as they say. Yeah, it's something called optic flow. There's some research, like, did obviously research on it, on it, and it's, obviously, when you're out in daylight, you can see miles ahead. Yeah. So those objects further take ages to kind of come towards you, whereas yeah. anything, you know, immediately surrounding you goes faster quicker. So at night, because you can't see as far, you know, your brain perceives how fast you're going by the objects you're passing, which are closer. Of course it does. Of course it does. So, yeah. I kind of kind of intuitively thought that and tried to answer it, but I didn't do a very good job and I didn't know the phrase optic flow. What are your qualifications then? I'm actually a web designer. <laughs> so, Well, in terms of this, you, why did you look it up? Because you wondered why you seemed to be going yeah, faster at night. Yeah, yeah, because I started night riding a few years ago. Started going, you know, winter came and I was like, wow, have I suddenly got fitter? And I was like, nope. <laughs> flying. I'm what flying you through the night. So you looked it up, and it's, yeah. it's because of optic flow. That's a beautiful answer. Hands up yeah. anyone who, who, who thought of David Hasselhoff when Mark said the words night riding. No, <laughs> no just me, is it? Round of applause for Mark. Good work, mate. 
Nice one, Mark. Thank you. 23 minutes after 12. I should have said at the outset, actually, I forget how many new people are tuning in at the moment. But when I ask for your qualifications, I don't mean what Mark thought I meant, which is what do you do? What have you got? Or uh, in my case, I've got cycling proficiency from Starport Police Station and a bag of gymnastics award three. But what I mean is how do you know that thing, what you just told us? Professor Martin, for example, is a professor of rob- robotics at the University of Middlesex, but we knew that already. He's on the line now. Question or answer, Professor Martin? I've got an answer for you. Which one? To the, to the pupil size and the image. Oh, yes. Why, why does pupil dilation and contraction not apparently impact on, on our vision? Well, it does. Oh. Um, so if you reduce the size, the diameter of the pupil, you will get less light coming into the eye, so you won't see so well in the dark. But it won't affect the um, field of view, the angle over which you're seeing. That's controlled by the width of the retina uh, and the distance of the pupil from the retina. So it will affect your vision, but in a good way, so that if it didn't contract, you'd be able to see less because there'd be so much light flooding into your eye. Incidental uh, light. Yes. Um, uh, you do have a problem, though, if you open up the lens as... Um, in that it's more difficult for the lens to focus all the different frequencies or colours or wavelengths of the light on the same point. And you get a thing called chromatic aberration. So as all the different colours land, try to land in different places, uh, the, it becomes more and more blurred. So you lose quality as you open up the uh, size of the pupil, but you gain the amount of light. So it's a sort of compromise effect. Fair enough. Right, I, I understand that. I hope that Mark in Munich, multinational mystery out today, understands that as well. It makes perfect sense. Um, if I can understand it, then I'm pretty sure Mark will as well. So round of applause for Professor Martin. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much. 25 minutes after 12 is the time. Matt is in Wellingborough. Matt, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. Come on, then. When did we stop handing out surnames? When did we stop? Yeah, when did we stop giving out new surnames? Yeah. It's my, my friend Ryan, who I'm with now, is getting married at the weekend, and we were just talking about it. I love it. Well, congratulations to Ryan. What's his, what's his bride-to-be called? Or, or, or indeed Sarah. his groom-to-be. Sarah. Well, congratulations Sarah. to Ryan and yeah. Sarah. Is Sarah going to take Ryan's name, Matt? She is going to take Ryan's name, but... Oh, um, how did he pull that off? I mean, did one of the great regrets of my life is that Mrs. O'Brien doesn't actually call herself Mrs. O'Brien. <laughs> it's my pre-feminist yeah. thinking on this one. Surname, it's, it's going to have something to do with writing stuff down, isn't it? it, it, it we yeah. probably stopped giving out new surnames as soon as literacy was widespread so that you didn't need to... Dis- I don't know why I'm even talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out for you. When do we stop dishing out new surnames? Are you sure they're not going to do one of those made-up surnames, mate, where, they, where, where Ryan and Sarah can combine their surnames and come up with a new double-barreled hyphenated hyphen? Yeah, yeah, we never know. When, <laughs> when I got married, my, my missus wanted to put Vanda in front of it. Vanda Davis, but, yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> You're on. Let's go. Uh, when do we stop dishing out new surnames? I, I love that question, because they, 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 they were either tribal, like mine, which means that uh, back in the days my ancestors were part of Brian Baru's gang in Ireland, or they're descriptive, like Baker or, or, or Butcher, um, or, 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 or lots of other reasons where surnames come from. Mac is, is like O apostrophe. I don't know. It's weird, but I bet it's got something to do with writing stuff down. Once you needed, once you, everyone could write stuff down, you didn't need to have these. I don't know why though. I bet, I love that question. I hope that there's an answer to it. I'll stop waffling now. Dave's in Birmingham. Question or answer, Dave? Hello, I have an answer, please. Carry on. Carry on, Dave. It's regarding the nuclear. Weapon safe distance? The, the original question was, how far underground would you have to be? I don't know that that works, so I'm just wondering where's the best place to be when a bomb goes off? Well, the best place to be is miles away. Yes, um, apart from that. Like, <laughs> really, really far. 
But um, the underground is an interesting sort of take on it because really it depends on the type of weapon. Yes. Um, modern nuclear weapons aren't really focused on the destruction. Um, you've got the psychological impact of the, you know, the terror of your country being bombed by some incredible superpower. Yes. But also the practical advantage of using a nuclear weapon is the, uh, the EMP effect, in which it disrupts, uh, disrupts all the local electronics, so all the communications go down, nobody can get online or put the kettle on or anything like that. Oh, okay. And because of that, nuclear weapons aren't detonated on the ground, they're in the air to cause the huge EMP effect rather than the destruction that would happen if they detonated on the ground. So there is no definitive answer to this question. It depends on the bomb and it depends on, on the, the, the circumstances of detonation. Yeah, um, but in general, if you have to be in the area, you do get underground. How, how far underground get. makes a difference? Um, not so much the distance that matters, just what you're inside of. Because you need to stop, you need something that will withstand the shockwave. Yeah. And also block the radiation. Now, Where would you go? Uh, I was... Oh, I don't have anywhere local thinking about it. I best... What about the long, with the tube? Should I head down to the tube? No, I want to go to the tube. Um, if you have a... Well, because it's not deep enough or, or because there's too much ventilation? Too much ventilation. Yeah, I thought so. Damn yeah, that, damn that ventilation. radiation, all you need is to be airtight with, you know, a bit of lead would stop the radiation. All right, but then you need a, then, then you're going to suffocate eventually. Yeah, and a bit of steel would withstand the shockwave. Tell you what, mate, it's no picnic, is it, thermonuclear destruction? No, I'd, I'd be keen to avoid it, to be honest. Me too. I think we can all agree on that, actually. Well, then, you, you know, these days you never know. It's probably, probably, it's probably someone on the schedule who's all in favour of nuclear war. Um, what are your qualifications, Dave? I'm a bit paranoid, James. <laughs> One of my favourite callers ever, Dave. That's a thing of beauty. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> oh dear! I nearly cried in the last hour, and now I'm crying with laughter in the in the final hour. Um, I hope everyone else is enjoying the show as much as I am today. It's coming up to half past twelve. Questions that still need answers. We've solved the mystery of nuclear war. <laughs> I'm a bit paranoid, James. Um, Look, ped pedantically speaking, we haven't stopped dishing out surnames, as Incorrigible FCA has pedantically pointed out. You can still register a new one, but we don't. So when did they stop, if you like? It, it, it's weird. It's almost the same as asking when they started. But uh, where do they come from? Where do they go? Um, we've done the pupils. We've done the faster running at night. We haven't done the question of why humans are the only species that suffer from morning sickness. But I've heard from a heck of a lot of dog owners who claim that their um, dogs, bitches, have suffered from morning sickness as well. So I, we just need to go definitive on that. It's half Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 12.33 is the time you're listening to Mystery Hour, which continues and which currently only has two questions left on the board involving surnames and morning sickness. Let's get a few more. Uh, Jennifer is in Clacton. Oh, big news. For, oh, who cares? Jennifer, question or answer? Question. Carry on. When you go to sleep, do you continue swallowing? Could you not just have watched someone sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> When I went to the dentist recently, when they put that thing in your mouth to take away all your saliva... Yes, it's quite pleasant, that. I quite like that. <laughs> oh, I, just, I just wonder at what stage they don't 
Well, you dribble a lot. Well, not you personally. I've never, I've never, never slept with you. But um, you you dribble a lot when you're. One dribbles a lot when one's sleeping, doesn't one? Does one? Yeah. Well, one can. I mean, one has witnessed. My husband does. My husband does. But do you swan? I just wondered when you're fast asleep, what happens? To the saliva in your mouth. I, I, yeah. If I had to put money on it from a position of complete ignorance, I'd say that you don't swallow while you're sleeping. No. But we need someone who's a little bit more qualified than us. Yes. I love it. Do you swallow in your sleep? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't even go there. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need. Surnames. When do we stop coining new surnames? When did I mean, just surnames? Talk to me about surnames. Morning sickness. And humans. Patricia is in Southampton. Patricia, question or answer? Question. Carry on. I've had a cold for a week. I'm writing my dissertation. Yeah. And running out of tissues. Where are all the, where does all the bogies come from? Where how oh. do I make so much? Mucus. Can we call it mucus? Okay. Because mucus. It's not it's not you're not talking about bogies, are you? You're not you're talking about mucus. Uh, it's kind of different colours. You know. yeah, look, look, hang on, people are having their lunch, Patricia. <laughs> What's your... God, you are really ill, aren't you? You poor thing. I'm really ill. Oh, that's rubbish. What's your dissertation about? Vigilantism. Is it really? Yes. Cool. And actor networks, really. Good grief. And you're snivelling all over it. All over it. Um, I like that question. I sh- I d- it doesn't it... Isn't it created by your body in order to put some sort of membrane... Why am I even doing this? I did think something along those lines, and because the do- doctors say, don't they, drink plenty of fluids and yeah. So I thought, well, if you didn't drink so much, so is it fluid? Well, it is fluid, but yeah. so if I didn't drink so much fluid, would I not have such a runny nose? I don't, I just, it's a nice question. I shall find, where does all the mucus come from, is the question. Yes. Yeah, you're on. I, 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 do you know what? I really want to know what you sound like when you're not full of cold. Because this, this, this is a bit comical now. You sound almost as if you're in a Lockett's advert. A second-class return to Dottingham, please. Tunes. <laughs> oh, she's off again. Oh, this is just funny. Should we all just troll Patricia by making her cough and sneeze and expectorate for the next... All right, you're on. I think that word expectorate might be relevant. It's maybe about getting stuff out of you while... All, but what, no, I'll stop. I'll find out. If someone who actually knows what they're talking about can ring in and answer that question. 03456060973. Mucus, surnames and morning sickness. What a lovely combination of questions we've got today. Joe is in Cheshunt. Joe, question or answer? Hello, Hello, Joe. I have an answer for you, James. Good, 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 good. great stuff. Carry on, Joe. As um, I can confirm from experience that animals do indeed get morning sickness. Talk to me about this experience, please. Um, I've over 20 years' experience breeding creatures, all great and small, as a zookeeper, Um, especially primates, uh, gorillas, chimps, monkeys, they, females, some will have morning sickness, just as bad as humans do. Some don't, just like humans. Um, I think it might not be noticeable in certain species because of the gestation period. So yes. a dog's only pregnant for a few weeks, so it might be sick once that you wouldn't really notice. But um... you'll get, you'll get behavioural change because of the hormones in pretty much anything, including reptiles. That's pretty strong. And, you, I mean, qualifications as a zookeeper, that's pretty strong. Yes. Yes, you know, I you, have. You know what I Are you I still have. a zookeeper? No, no. I um, I do all sorts of peculiar things now. But, uh, no, over 20 years as a zookeeper, hand-reared two gorillas. So. You hand-reared two gorillas? Yes. What were yes. they called? 
Ambam. Ambam. And Tim and Timbu. Timbu. What what zoo was this? Uh, they were down at Howlett's, the Aspinall Foundation. Ambam's quite famous because he walks upright like a human <laughs> quite a lot. I, I mean, there's only one way to play this. You, you know what Axel just said in my ear, don't you, Joe? What? He said, that's got to be a ray. A what, what? You don't know what that means. This is going to be even better. No. You don't know. This is fair. This I have a very rare honour that I dish it. Oh, a Ray Liotta. Oh, my favourite. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build Thanks. it. They will come. We did, and you did, Joe. Have a round of applause on me. Thank, thank look, you, look at that. How do you know? Qualification zookeeper. I've hand-reared a couple of gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy is in stains. Andy, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Andy. My daughter, Nancy, wants to know oh. why we call um, her, well, all cats, but her cat especially, a pussy cat rather than just a cat or a muggy. Why, where does pussy come from? <laughs> in the nicest possible sense. Thanks, Andy. What do you reckon? I, God, I can't do this, mate. I can't <laughs> spend the next 21 minutes repeating that question that you're not going to repeat yourself, can I? You can. You I can. can't. I can't. Adam Partridge would. <laughs> if you can answer that question, ring in and answer it, all right? If you can't, unlucky, Andy. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Adam's in Liverpool. Adam, question or answer? <laughs> <laughs> Get on with it. Alan, Alan Partridge was Adam, I'm a bit paranoid, James. Oh, well, I tell you what, I'm so glad the pressure's off. Last time I was speaking to you, we had a late, really awesome moment with Zamo uh, t- uh, tweeting you. So I'm so glad that the pressure's there off. There you go. There you go. It's an um, open field. I'm, I'm really sorry I'm not normally pedantic, but I've got to do a student's inquiry. Really? Yeah, the night vision. Really? You're picking on yeah, a professor. Admittedly, he's a professor of robotics, and he was talking about eyes. But still, go on. What, what, do, what, what do you yeah, want to? What do you want to do? Well, he mentioned field of view, which obviously um, it, the way that he's working. If your iris is wider, your field of view is more. I don't think it's actually much more. But the one thing that he failed to mention is the depth of field. Um, and when your eye is much, much wider, your depth of field is less. When it's narrower, it can actually see further, and everything away from you is much more in focus. If you're looking down a street and you've got a series of lampposts going down, if you've got if if it's during the day and your iris is very, very tiny, all of those will be virtually in focus at the same time. If it's later at night and your iris is much, much wider Pupil or iris. Pupil. Uh, your pupil, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, you'll, ex- you'll understand why when I tell you what I'm doing. Um, when you're looking down and your pupil is much, much wider, one of those lampposts may be in, in, in focus, but the other ones won't be, and that's because of your depth of field. Oh, yeah. Qualifications? Photographer. Which is why you said Irish. Yeah, sorry. I like it. I, I, I think you've, uh, you've added to the answer. You haven't, you haven't undermined it, have you? No. So no, you, can have, you, you can have a round of applause. I love it. Well played, Adam. Adam, yeah, you know cats. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's twelve forty-two. Max is in here. The green. Max, question or answer? It's a question. Yes, I've tried time and time to, to get answers to you, but I never get around to it. So I was in, I was lucky enough to be in Berlin last week. Oh yeah, and we were sat on a tram because it was it was cold and damp and wet. Yeah. And I was just thinking, why do trams use bells? Because 
we've had we've had car horns and bus horns for years and years, but everywhere you go and there are trams, they all use bells. It, it, when they brought the, the trams back in Croydon, they brought them back with bells. And well, the ones in uh, the ones in Manchester have have horns. Yeah. So, but 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 why is there sort of just a tradition? I don't think there's a. I mean, the, the the bell would have drawn your attention more. It goes back to before horns. But I don't know why. Is it really a mystery? Some trams do have horns. Some trams don't have horns. Well, are you sure they have? Bells in, in Manchester. They have horns in Manchester. in Manchester. Yeah, right? they have. They have like a because there's quite a lot of pedestrians hopping over the tracks. They don't have a bell, but they're very modern uh, trams. I, I was in Manchester a, a couple of weeks back, and I, I thought I had bells, but then that might have been. You may well have heard bells, but they have nothing to do with the trams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take it all back then. Is that not uh, a question? Then, if some trams have, because yeah. you thought it was like a convention that trams have to have bells instead of horns. Yeah, well, that that was my thought. Is that. Yeah, no, I have personally go. witnessed a tram with a horn. Tram with a horn. So, it's all still so, coming out today. <laughs> in that case, why yeah. haven't other trams trams moved onto horns? No, no, it's not having that. No, that's like, <laughs> back in your box. It's not. That's a rubbish question. It'd be something to do with. Oh, I've done it again. I've been condescending and a little bit arrogant, which means someone's going to ring in with a point that makes my condescension doubly embarrassing. I hope not, Max. Thank you. Twelve forty-three. Professor Hall is here. Professor, that's a double professoring. Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. Question or answer, Professor Hall? Oh, James, I'm going to have a look at the um, rather unlovely question about mucus. Where does all the mucus come from? Um, well, it's actually um, it's, it's an interesting story actually because um, clearly your uh, original caller was talking about an infection, yes, um, a viral or a bacterial one, and the increase in the amount of luminous green mucus is due to the heroic army of white blood cells that go and attack the um, bacteria and the viruses and it's their sort of dead bodies and their breakdown products and you also see this kind of thing in bruises when you see a bruise you can see the sort of the range of colors that they change they start off with blue and then they go to a nice shade of green and yellow and brown which is um identical to the brown color of fecal matter because it's oh, mate. Been a Reuben... oh mate i used the polite word didn't yeah, well, you I? might have done but it's still lunchtime no but the mucus fecal matter with kind of... same dog different fleas mate <laughs> Anyway, so um, it's the breakdown product, to, to summarise, it's the breakdown product of your white blood cells um, in their attempt to heroically fight off the infection. Strong. Strong, strong, strong. So uh, where does it all come from? Same place that anything comes from. Yeah, I mean, red blood cells, they, they transport your oxygen. The white blood cells, they're all about your, your immune system. You've got phagocytes, which actually swallow up. Um, pathogens and you've got neutrophils which break them down by other means but in so doing they sacrifice themselves for the greater good and that's that's with regard to to, to viral infection so the the goblet cells that line the airways and produce mucus to catch bacteria and other foreign particles to stop you from inhaling it and then then you cough it out that would be a different answer um, yeah, because I mean, mucus is there for a reason. So lots of things get stuck on yeah. it, and then you cough it up. So it's a nice sort of, it's almost like a... So um, there's the permanent like, mucus, which is your goblet cells. Are you looking stuff up on Wikipedia, James? No, Beth at King's College London, who's studying biomedical sciences, just texted me. <laughs> OK. How did you know that I didn't know this stuff naturally? 
No, I wasn't. I wasn't make, I was doing the same thing that you do, which is be scathing and then get thoroughly <laughs> wrong-footed. So, goblet, thank you, Beth. So, the goblet cells are the, like the permanent mucus production explanation, but the but the specific question for the poor uh, woman in Southampton who sounded as if she was dying. The reason she's producing so much mucus is because her white blood cells are trying to expel the bacteria that, that, yes, the, I mean, that the virus has produced. It's, just, it's the same with pus. I mean, pus, you can... Oh, flipping heck, mate! <laughs> you can actually see. It's white. It's the white just blood Just stop cells. it! Right? We need to be growing up about this. I am growing up. I don't want you talking about faecal matter and pus at quarter to one in the afternoon, all right? Well, you just said faecal matter. I'd forgotten about it, and all the other listeners... Give them, a round of, give them half a round of applause. I'm taking half back for rudeness. All right. All right. Mind how you go. It's twelve forty-seven. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Twelve fifty-one is the time you are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Where I didn't issue the weekly guarantee that you'd have a laugh-out-loud moment in the course of Mystery Hour. I normally do every single week, twelve o'clock every Thursday. I say I guarantee that you'll laugh out loud at least once between now and one o'clock. I forgot to do so, but thank you to everyone who's got in touch to tell me that we've delivered, we've delivered in spades today on that front. Um, and I've broken the habit of a mystery of our lifetime as well and looked up a question so that I can answer it. The, the origin of pussycat is from the Dutch word puss, which means cat. So in several Germanic languages, you will have a word that sounds similar to puss. And from that, of course, with the migration of people and language, we have pussycat today. I'm very glad we've cleared that up. Gemma is in New York. Wow, what an international show today. Question or answer, Gemma? It's an answer. Great stuff. Um, you do swallow when you're sleeping, just not quite so much. Uh, uh, how do you know? Qualifications? Um, I'm a speech therapist and we do swallowing disorders. Oh, really? So, yeah. Sometimes people with apnea swallow more. I read that once. Um, I think it's about, like, two times an hour that uh, you swallow. And how much is it ordinarily when we're, when we're sort of up and about? Every week. It depends what you're doing. If you're eating, you're swallowing more. But yeah, all right. If you're sitting, reading a book, it depends what you're doing. So normal, normal resting, not eating, reading a book, ten times more? Yeah, Maybe. It's not why you rang in, actually. I don't know why. Why am I quizzing you like this? It's not. It's not flipping out. It's like Jeremy Paxman suddenly taken over. Mister, answer the question. Qualification: speech therapist, and swallowing is a big part of speech therapy. Yes. Beautiful. And you have to. You you do swallow. You definitely swallow when you're sleeping. Don't be silly. You'd wake up in a pile of drawers. I like it. I also. I, I sense you're also combining childcare with this contribution to the program, Gemma. Yeah. Sorry, I've been hanging on for a while. No, that's great. No, you crack on. I just don't go before you get this, though. There you go. Now, see to your child, madam. 12.53 is the time. Greg is in Wimbledon. Greg, question or answer? Hey, James, it's a question, please. Carry on. So, I want to know why it is that it's easier to balance on a bicycle when it's moving as opposed to when it's standing still. So, you know, like you see these commuters on their bikes. As soon as they get to the traffic lights... Yeah, no, we don't need an explanation of this. People, I mean, your bike gets wobbly when you... But it, it's, so it, what, what's the scientific principle behind that? Is it, is it the forward momentum? Is it the spinning of the wheels? It's what, momentum. Why? It'd be momentum, wouldn't it? So why, why does it make it easier to balance? I don't know. I feel I should know. I like these sort of questions. What time is it? 12.54. There's no, there's no answer. Well, what? 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've tried finding an answer on Google, and Google's got answers for most things. It does, yes. Not for this, though. I did, I did, I, I forgot again, and not only did I forget to issue the laughter guarantee, I forgot to explain you're not allowed to look stuff up. It kind of goes without saying, otherwise, Mr. I'd be ridiculous. No, you're allowed to. You're asking a question after you look stuff up and couldn't find it. What? Years ago. I've been looking for years. There must be a really easy explanation. This is what Professor Martin should have waited for. He shot, he, he went early. On the uh, on the pupil question, this is more his field as a professor of robotics. Why 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 yeah? Why is it easier to balance when a, when you're moving on a bicycle than it is when you've stopped? You feel it should be really obvious. I love these sort of questions because you start off going, "Oh, don't be daft." That's really simple. Except it isn't. Greg, mind how you go. Answer please on that one. We've got time. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Barbara is in Redbridge. Barbara, question or answer? Answer. Carry on, Barbara. I have an alternative pussy solution. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was an Egyptian goddess, cat goddess called Pasht. Called what? What's the goddess's name? <laughs> you can't have an alternative pussy solution. It's just not right on any level. What was the goddess's name again? Pasht. Pasht. Yes, and it comes from that. Okay, qualifications. Mine of useless information. Give her a round of applause, quickly. Hopefully she'll go away. <laughs> she just trudges. Ross is in Walthamstow. Ross, question or answer? Answer, please. Carry on, Ross. Uh, it's the one to the bike, mate. Why, don't, why is it easier to balance when you're riding? Oh, no, that was quick. Well done. Good work. What's the answer? The gyroscopicness of the wheel. When the wheel's actually spinning, all it wants to do is keep going in a straight line. To turn it left and right off of... The way the wheel's actually spinning is, is really difficult to do. So, even if there was no passenger on the bike, it still want to keep going. Gyroscopicness? Yes. If you was to hold a wheel in your hand left and right, either side of where the forks would be, and you was to, your mate was to spin it, you'd really struggle to turn left or right. Because all the wheel wants to do is keep going the momentum the wheel's already got. Don't remember the old spinning top you used to have? Yeah, you I do. Spin it if you turn that 90 degrees, obviously you've got the momentum going forward. So the bike itself sorting out the balance about 75% for you. That sounds very, very persuasive to me. What are your qualifications? Uh, I've got a cycling degree and I used to teach kids to ride BMX. You have not got a cycling degree, you, <laughs> you larrikin. I've got a cycling degree, but I've got a ticket by the, the, the Association of British Cycling. Really? Where's that based? Um, it's access sport and it's most BMX tracks all over the country, really, but predominantly East London. Great work. Great work. Yeah, I'm going to give you a round of applause, mate. What a beautiful answer. Well done. (laughs) Steve's in Blackfriars. Steve, question or answer? Answer. Quickly. Surnames. Yes. Most of the surnames come from hundreds of years ago in the villages and the hamlets where you would have a couple of people called John or, or, or Bob or whatever. So they just related to the work that they did. So it would be John Blacksmith, that got John the Blacksmith, that would get changed to John Black or John Smith, and over the years, it's just died out. But that's where the surnames originated. I'm going to give you... I, we kind of had covered that already. I knew that. Cause I it's, it, no, I know. It's not your fault. It's like Butcher, Baker, there's the, and, and then you've got the alternative ones, which are clan-based, like yeah, your Max so your Max, and your O apostrophes. But, but James, ru- can I not have a round of applause? I don't think you can. Hang on. When did it roughly don't die out? Right. I didn't. I said, can I not have one, James? Well, you don't want one. No, can I ask you, 
can ask you something. I know you ain't got a lot of time left. Well, 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 well I wasn't going to give you a round of applause, and now you're asking for an well, alternative no, prize. Anyway. Well, all right. James, I spoke to you a couple of months ago. I've got something coming up on Saturday regarding dog's law. You said get in touch with me before it comes up, and you just put it out there for me. All right. Send me an email as soon as you come off the radio, and I'll talk about it tomorrow when I understand a little bit more about what what what, what we're on, Steve. I promise. Okay. Um, so I bung it over now. It's James at lbc.co.uk, Steve. I'll see it. I'll see it. But, 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 Graham, you'll last word quickly. Yes, I disagree with the bike um, balance business. The fact is, when a bike's stationary, you can't move the position of the tyre on the road, which assists you with the balance. No, you're wrong. When you're I, I'm, out, I'm out of time, and, and I know that you're onto something, but he just got the word wrong. Centripetal force was the word that he was looking for, and that, that, is, that is correct. It means that a spinning wheel will always try and stay upright because of centripetal force, and that is why it's easier to stay upright when you're on a moving bike than it is when you're on a... Right, right, round of applause for me. Thank you very much. That's it from me for another day. We will do it again tomorrow morning from 10. If you're at the Student Radio Festival in Leicester, I shall see you shortly. Here's Sheila Fogarty. I had to look up Larrikin. It's true. I was right, wasn't I? A boisterous young man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> New word. I didn't know that word. Thank it's you very much, word. James. Yes.